For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. Very close race. NBC News now projects that Joe Biden has won the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, and its 20 electoral votes. And that means we can now project that former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. The voters have spoken. Democracy is prevailing. President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris are already moving our country forward with plans to beat COVID-19 and get our economy back on track by putting working people first. Joining me to talk about what the Biden presidency means for working people is the president of the New York State AFL-CIO, Mario Salento. Mario, welcome back to the Union Strong podcast. Thank you, Darcy. So let me start right out um, just with getting your thoughts about President-elect Joe Biden and his vision for America. Well, I'll tell you, Darcy, um, it was a truly great victory and working men and women, labor union members in particular, really came out to support Joe Biden. And I couldn't be more proud of, of us as a movement and what we did uh, not only our contributions in this state, making calls to other states, but what the labor movement across this country was able to do in, in succeeding and in, in allowing Joe Biden to become the next president of the United States. <clears throat> I think the best thing that I can say about where we are now in the history of this country is that Joe Biden exudes empathy and compassion. And they might not be the qualities you initially think of when you have a new president coming to office, right? You think about policies, you think about issues, but that empathy, that, that compassion for others, that is exactly what we need right now in this country. He understands, he appreciates the human condition <clears throat> that we're all vulnerable, mm-hmm. that we should all a- appreciate every day and appreciate each other. And I think that mindset and that way of life will serve him well as president. And especially the time we're as, we're as, uh, as divided as we are as a nation. Um, if, if those who didn't vote for him, in my opinion, if they are willing to give him a chance to explain himself, to show himself and, and see that he means what he says, then I think that'll go a long way toward healing this country. Even if we disagree on issues, we can all work together toward common goals. And that's really been Joe Biden's message this entire week ever since he gave his first speech to the country on Saturday night. That is what I expect him to do. Try to reach common goals between Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, everyone across the spectrum. And I think that as for the political part of all of this, right, because that's the human condition part, right? That's just seeing him uh, as an individual. But for the political part, Joe Biden understands the importance of bipartisanship which is more important again now than ever before because of the polarization in Washington and all across the country and everything that we're seeing um, on on all the cable news channels, because there's a good chance he's going to have to deal with Mitch McConnell as the leader of the Senate, Mm -hmm. Uh, at least probably better than a 50% chance of that. And Joe Biden is in fact a creature of the Senate, right? He served there for what, 36 years. So he understands intuitively that antagonizing your adversaries doesn't work. And we've seen that for four years, Mm -hmm. right? That, that you have to find common ground. And again, I think that'll serve him well as he tries to implement his agenda. And I think he's the perfect person at the right time in this country to move us forward after all of the outrage and the divisiveness 
and just the ad hoc way of doing things, uh, really not getting things done over the last four years of the Trump administration. Joe Biden is the perfect person for this job right now. And I think not only Joe, but I think Kamala Harris as the vice president coming in with her perspective, serving, you know, uh, recently in the Senate, but also as the attorney general in California, she brings something to this ticket, obviously the historic nature of this. Mm-hmm. And certainly uh, as the father of three daughters, I'm, uh, I was so proud Saturday night, their first address together to, to speak to the country, to have uh, not only Andrea, my wife sitting there, but my three daughters who were 17, 15 and 10 years old. And without even having to say anything, the message was to the, to, to my daughters, Anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is you set your mind to, it doesn't have to be politics. It doesn't have to be anything even remotely associated with politics. But anything is possible if you set your mind to it. And that's why I think they will do great things together. And I'm hopeful of that. And, and I'm confident in that. And it was exactly that unifying um, speech that we needed right. for sure. And, you know, Joe Biden's always been a friend of labor and labor acknowledged that by coming out in huge numbers to support him. Um, here in New York, uh, you were uh, leading the labor movement in, in getting those calls and text messages out to, to key places as well to make sure this, this victory took place. Yeah, you know, in addition to, um, you know, obviously winning the state by, what, 25 points or so, probably even more than that when all the votes are counted, you know, because we're not a battleground state per se, uh, our members not only want to get out there and vote to support their candidate of choice, but they want to get out there and do something a little bit more tangible to help that candidate. And in this this case, um, as you mentioned, Darcy, we were able to coordinate um, more than 30,000 phone calls from our members here in New York mm-hmm. to both Pennsylvania and Michigan uh, combined. And, and I think every little bit helps, particularly when you see how close the races were in those two mm-hmm. states. So I, I hope that our members who are listening here today who made calls into Pennsylvania and Michigan really do appreciate for themselves what they were able to contribute because you can be in a blue state and still make a difference. That's right. And I think we showed that. I think we showed that this time around. Every vote counts. Um, and, you know, those 30,000 calls into those two states, uh, states that, that Joe Biden needed to win to turn back from where they were uh, four years ago, I think New Yorkers played an integral role in that as well. So let's talk a little bit about what President-elect Biden will be fighting for that can make a difference right here in New York State. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. When he was running for president, right, these last year, this last year or two, he actually had a plan called the Biden Plan for Strengthening Worker Organizing, Collective Bargaining, and Unions. I mean, that was the name of the plan. Now, very few politicians call for plans to strengthen unions, right? Mm-hmm. They'll say, we support unions. They will say, you know, I have a union member in my family. They might even say, that in fact, that they were a union member at, at a certain point. All of those things are appreciated. We're grateful. But he actually had a plan that talked to the issue of strengthening unions. And in his first speech the other night, he actually said to the country, teachers have a friend in the White House. She was a mom, a military mom, an educator. She has dedicated her life to education. But teaching isn't just what she does, it's who she is. For American educators, this is a great day for y'all. You're going to have one of your own in the White House. What was the last president that actually said that, Mm -hmm. that teachers have a friend in the White House? Then it's not just, it's teaching, yes, for teachers' sake, yes, of course, educating our children. 
but also understanding the, the terribly difficult job that teachers do every single day to educate our children, to provide them with a better future and understanding what they're going through now with COVID and the risks they take every single day when they walk into that school and when they walk into that classroom, not knowing what to expect. So for him to say that, I thought on the first night was just a very powerful message. Now, having said that, Darcy, um, we appreciate that. And Joe Biden has been a friend of the labor movement for the better part of four decades now, almost four decades. But now we have to get to work and we have to get things done. And I know that that the the AFL-CIO on a national level will be working with him. And I know that here in New York, uh, working with our elected officials to get things done with our congressional delegation and with our governor to reach out to the to the president and work to get things that we're going to need here in the state of New York. Um, you know, we're ready for the task. You know, we you talked about what what he can do. Mm-hmm. First thing, without a shadow of a doubt, is we need stimulus funding. We need help. All, not only here in New York, but state and local governments across the country, as you know, are facing huge budget deficits. Here in New York, it's projected, I think it's over, the numbers keep going up and down, but it's, it's at least over $50 billion deficit over the next several years. Mm-hmm. We need funding to provide the vital services that we all rely on, whether it's health care, education, transportation, sanitation, the agency services that so many of our unions provide. He has said he will work to provide that funding to the states. That is vital for not only union members, let me just be clear, all working men and women. The money that comes into the state to provide those services not only goes to pay the, the, the salaries and, and the benefits and the protections uh, for those workers uh, in, the job, in, in, in their job site, but allows others to, to take part in those services, thus putting more money back into the economy. So if you have a, a sanitation worker, for example, who would have been laid off otherwise at that funding does not come in, now goes to work, collects his or her paycheck, takes that money, and then goes and spends the money right back into their community, helping their the, the local dry cleaner or the local diner or the local, you know, we don't have movie theaters right now, but, but you get the point. Right. Just putting that money right back into the local economy. So that's why stimulus funding and, and closing this budget deficit is so, is so vital because it's not only the services that you lose it's the jobs that you lose as a result of not having that funding. So that's, that's vitally important. We know that the, the, the funding, the stimulus funding from Congress and the federal government, you know, also would go for infrastructure projects. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, Joe Biden was, uh, was uh, integral in bringing to uh, things that sort of people knew about, may say, LaGuardia Airport. Uh, about the trouble they were having and keeping up appearances. I won't go into all the details. I think we all know uh, that Joe was uh, uh, sort of uh, descriptive of, of the plight of LaGuardia Airport a few years ago. But, you know, we're, we're, our members, the Building Trades members uh, in New York City are working at LaGuardia Airport and JFK Airport to remodel those facilities. Um, also, the Amtrak Gateway Tunnel beneath the Hudson River. I mean, we need funding for that. That's the rail tunnel, Darcy, and it was damaged during Hurricane Sandy. Mm-hmm. And I think we all know the stories about Joe Biden understanding the importance of the importance of uh, railways. Uh, you know, we've all heard the stories of how he would return home every night from Washington to Delaware by train to be with his children, which if you think about that, is utterly amazing. If you think about the schedule of a senator, of a United States senator, works probably 10, 12, 14 hours a day, still got on the train to take the hour and a half train, whatever the time frame is, 
two hours to get back from Washington to Delaware to see his children and then go right back the next day. That says something about who the man is. It also shows and underlines that he understands the importance of, of railways. You know, and the interesting part here is that Donald Trump promised when he was elected, he would see the biggest, we would see the biggest infrastructure funding for projects ever. And the great deal maker couldn't make it happen. Well, then he, he, he installed he the funding for the, he stalled the funding for the, the gateway project. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, Joe Biden, I believe, means what he says and he says what he means. So I believe Joe uh, Biden will, will succeed and will succeed as a state uh, when we get that funding. Um, you know, we need Monday, uh, funding for the MTA. Mm-hmm. All the work that those brave men and women have, have done during the pandemic and certainly before that. But the MTA is the lifeblood of the transportation system that keeps New York City and its subwar- the suburbs running, right? Because mm-hmm. you get so many people to and from work every single day. It keeps the economy running. Again, it's one of the residual effects. It's like, yes, we have to keep the trains up and running. We have to make sure that we continue to maintain the workforce for the actual workers of the transit system. But then there are the tens of thousands of men and women who come into the city every day who utilize the MTA to get to work so that they can, in fact, support themselves and their families and then take those salaries and put them right back into the local economies and small businesses. That is the, the, the churn of, of the dollars when it comes in. It's not just, we have to remember, it's not just for those specific proce- uh, projects. Mm-hmm. It's for the, for the residual effect of the entire economy. And I think and I know that, that Joe Biden understands that. And I think also um, to our advantage here in New York State, as you know, because you, you've been at the events where you've had Joe Biden and the governor there together. And, um, of course, Joe Biden has a long friendship with uh, Senator Schumer as well. And, and all of those relationships will only benefit not only New York State, but I think the entire country. Um, Absolutely. Look, politics is still about relationships. Mm-hmm. And, yes, ideology is always front and center. We all understand that. But you have to be willing to have a conversation with someone. You have to be willing to at least sit down and hear what they have to say, whether you agree or not. And actually, it's more important to listen when you disagree. Mm. And if you're willing to do that and if you're willing to sit down and say, look, this is what we need. How do we get it done? You're able to more often than not get something done for the, for the common good. The fact that Governor Cuomo has a strong relationship with Joe Biden, the fact that, that Chuck Schumer has worked with, with uh, Joe Biden in the Senate and in Congress all these years certainly helps uh, the standing of New, York City, of New York City and New York State moving forward. And you talked about this, about uh, Joe Biden's commitment um, to union members and to organizing. Let's talk a little bit about the PRO Act, which um, stands for the Protect the Right to Organize Act. President-elect Biden um, has for years talked about the importance of unions. So how important will it be for him to get this PRO Act passed? Uh, It it would be um, just a tremendous landmark victory if we can get, get this done. And the fact that Joe Biden doesn't need much prodding to talk about it mm-hmm. is, is really uh, something that makes us feel good about it and confident because what it does, Darcy, as you know, is it protects the right to strike. It gives workers more leverage by expanding the ability to strike. But, you know, most importantly, it makes organizing workers into a union a more fair process. Right. So it would make union elections. It would make them fair because it would it would bar employers from making employees attend these captive audience meetings, mm-hmm. which are basically designed to convince workers to vote against the union. Uh, it would establish a penalty for companies that stand in the way of workers trying to organize. Because a lot of times 
The only way these companies understand anything is if you fine them or if you, you give them some kind of um, financial monetary penalty. Um, the fact that he's willing to, to stake a claim, as I, as I opened up with, to growing the labor movement, not just supporting the labor movement, says a lot about him understanding that when the labor movement is strong and vibrant and successful, we not only improve the lives of our members, but we raise the standard of living and the quality of life for all working people. I've said this many times, when the, when the labor movement fights for issues, the, the more general issues, like a, a $15 minimum wage or paid family leave or unemployment insurance benefits, you know, for the most part, not all, but for the most part, our members make more than the minimum wage, right? Mm-hmm. But when you raise the floor, you raise the ceiling. So it's not only our members who, who uh, have a, a higher standard of living once we raise that minimum wage, Everyone benefits. Everyone prospers. When we when we provide paid family leave to men and women who don't have it, again, everybody benefits. Everyone prospers. And Joe Biden sees that and he understands that, and that's why the PRO Act is so important. Yes, it's vitally important to the labor movement, but in the bigger picture, it is really an important issue for all working men and women in this country, even, you know, and, and for most of those who maybe have never heard of it or don't necessarily understand the, the intricacies of it. But as they start to hear more about it come January 20th, they'll understand that it'll improve their lives as much as it will those men and women who actually want to become union members. And setting aside the fight um, for the Senate for a moment, there are some issues Mm -hmm. that Biden will be able to accomplish on Mm -hmm. his own, like overtime rules. Can you talk about that? Uh, I'll tell you, one of, this is a personal opinion, one of the most disgraceful things that Donald Trump (laughs) perpetrated in his four years. And you could go ad, you know, ad nauseum about some of the things that he did. But when it came to workers, when what Donald Trump did was he raised the threshold for when workers would be eligible for overtime. So for example, when President Obama and, and Joe Biden as his vice president, vice president were in office, the threshold was 51,000 or would it be $51,000 in 2020. So anyone making below $51,000 would be eligible for overtime pay. What the president did was he implemented rules through an executive order that sets the threshold at only $35,500 and change. So that means if you make more than $35,000, Donald Trump has deemed it uh, too much money for you to be making overtime pay. It was a disgrace and it will be a disgrace for as long as his name is, is, is mentioned by anyone. So uh, the fact that Joe Biden certainly understands it, as I said, he was part of uh, working on that with, with uh, President Obama for the eight years that he was VP, they will uh, raise that threshold once again so that we could have hundreds of thousands more working men and women in this, in this country eligible for overtime pay, which again, you're working overtime. Mm-hmm. You're working that's time extra that you normally would not have to work. Time taken away from your family to work for your employer. You deserve overtime. And and putting again that money into the pockets of working men and women not only helps those families, it helps the overall economy as well because most of the time that money goes right back into the economy. Again, paying for your rent, your mortgage, mm-hmm. your, your groceries, your day-to-day expenses. So uh, again, uh, we look forward to that as well. 
And so when it comes to worker rights, what about the gig economy? What do you know about President-elect Biden on where he stands on on ensuring gig workers have uh, the same rights as other workers? Well, he said that he wants to work with Congress to establish uh, a federal standard to provide gig workers, uh, gig economy workers, the same rights and protections as all other workers. And again, that is so vital. And we've talked about it, I think, on this podcast and and. in the past, Darcy, about the plight of gig workers who at this point in time are considered independent contractors, which means they do not have the right to minimum wage or overtime pay, workers' compensation, unemployment insurance, the right to organize. They have none of those rights, even though in most instances they do the same exact jobs as workers who are classified as employees. Again, it's a travesty. Joe Biden understands this. He understands that more often than not, gig workers are doing the same work as, others work, as other workers who are considered employees. So uh, being willing to stand up and say that these workers, gig economy workers, should have the same rights and protections of all other workers in this country is a very big step forward towards fairness and equality. And uh, I, I can't tell you because... Again, you know, the gig economy continues to grow, Darcy, as you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether it's 10 percent of the economy now, 15 percent of the economy now, uh, you know, in a few years from now, when my daughters go into the workforce, it's going to be 25, 35, 40 percent of the workforce are going to be considered gig workers or independent contractors. We cannot sustain ourselves financially as a, as a country when you have that high a percentage of workers who don't have unemployment insurance and workers' comp uh, or make minimum wage or overtime pay. What happens is you'll eventually have an economy where you have that high a percentage of workers who are still going to qualify for federal assistance. Mm-hmm. So you'll have workers working, still applying, for, uh, still applying for and receiving federal assistance, thus draining our economy of more resources and federal funding that could go to other things like we just mentioned, whether it's infrastructure or, or health care or education. So again, we have to take a look, and Joe Biden is taking a look at the bigger picture, which is understanding that when we talk about these issues, again, they're not necessarily labor union issues, they're worker issues. And that's what makes us really, uh, I, you know, as a labor movement, as someone who, who deals with working men and women and works with, with working men and women every single day, makes us uh, confident that we have a brighter future. And I don't think we can have this discussion without talking about taxes. Um, what, where's the president-elect on tax cuts, on, on top earners? Yeah. He says that he wants, to, he's been on record saying he wants to repeal the Republican tax cuts uh, um, on, on individuals who make $400,000 a year. to raise taxes on anyone who makes less than $400,000 a year. You won't pay a penny more, I guarantee you. But I'm going to ask the big corporations and the super wealthy to begin to fair, pay their fair share. It's not punishment. It's just about time you start paying. I mean, fair that share. is eminently fair. I would think anyone uh, just thinking about this fairly and, and looking at it and saying to yourself, how many people do we know who actually make four hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars? You know, think of, think of your family, think of your friends, think of your parents. How many people? actually make $400,000 a year plus. Now, if you do, great. I don't, I don't hold that against anyone. Great. Make as where, you know, we have a, we're a capitalistic society, but if you're going to earn more, you should pay more in taxes. And the fact that the Republicans uh, in Congress gave a tax cut to individuals making $400,000 a year 
you know, they're saying the chickens come home to roost. You know, the economy was doing pretty well when they did it. And now we are where we are, where we have deficits all across this country. Mm -hmm. And those men and women who could afford to help us help everyone else out and pay their fair and fair, fair share of taxes aren't doing it again. Another wrong, uh, wrong headed decision uh, spearheaded by President Trump and perpetrated by the Republicans in Congress. So the fact that Joe Biden wants to repeal those Republican tax cuts on individuals making $400,000 or more a year uh, will go a long way to helping us fund education, health care and all of the other services that we that we all rely on. And finally, uh, finally, let me just ask you, Joe Biden wasted no time talking about beating COVID-19. We're, we're getting it under control here in New York State. And now, though, the entire country's uh, seeing a second wave. Uh, how do you feel about how he's approaching that? He's already got these uh, team of scientists in place. You know, what do you think we could expect there? Well, here's the thing about that. Um, first of all, he's taking the virus seriously, mm-hmm. something the president never did. Um, he's already shown that by creating a task force that's comprised of experts on the disease and how to combat it. He's going to listen to scientists on how to slow the spread and how to ensure that we have funding that we're going to need to protect us all, right, to ensure a smooth transition to when we have a vaccine and how to distribute it. And, And most importantly, he's going to work to keep workers safe. He's going to keep us safe, you know, in my opinion, from seeing what he says every day, he's going to keep us safe as Americans, as workers, but most importantly, as human beings. Mm -hmm. And that's what comes back to my first point about, you know, exuding that empathy and that compassion, because he's seen he's seen the numbers of of these heroes who went to work every day uh, because they they felt they had an obligation to do it, who lost their lives, who were no longer there with their families. So Joe Biden understands that. And the fact that he's made it a priority, uh, I think, should make us all feel better about about it all uh, and and his plan to do it. Um, But again, you know, he he said that he knows that his first job as president is to keep us safe. And he said many times over the last week, no matter what, no matter whether you voted for him or not. He gave a speech uh, a few days ago. uh, I think it was the first night, Darcy, on Saturday night where. Uh, where he came out and, and, and he, he urged everyone to wear a mask. And he said, it's not a political statement. It's about our safety. And then what stood out to me as a labor leader is he looked at everybody straight on and he said, wear it for the grocery store worker. He said, wear it for your child's teacher. Wear it to keep each other from losing someone who's close to you. Right. Mm -hmm. He understands that the grocery worker is there and is an essential worker. And we don't think of that person that way. We never have. And every single day for the last eight months, they've gone to work and and, you know, they realize it. They're risking their lives every single day. They go to school and teachers go to school and they're in those classrooms, as I said earlier. And every single day they risk a little bit of themselves to make sure that our children are, are being educated and have a brighter future. He understood it. He articulated, he said it. And, and that to me makes, again, makes me feel good about where we are because again, Darcy, it was something that we never heard even one time from Donald Trump. That's true. He never emphasized the safety, health, and well-being of working men and women, not once. He came into office four years ago and said he was going to be the champion of the working person. Well, we've just laid out about a half dozen things that he did to roll back protections on working men and women, on promises that weren't kept. 
and I, and I, and I feel as a, as a labor leader, so much better about the fact that, that Joe Biden comes into this with the point of view, understanding the needs and concerns I'm of working men and women. persons who never forgot how to say the word union, period. I announced I was running for president for three reasons. The first reason was to restore the soul of this country, bring back some decency and honor to the White House and not divide America. But the second reason was to rebuild the middle class. And let's get something straight. Wall Street did not build America. Middle class built America and unions built the middle class. But as I said, Period. that's great. We respect it. I have a lot of respect for, for President-elect Biden. I know he's going to work to ensure that we have adequate PPE and safety and health standards and everything moving forward. I know he believes it. Uh, we're going to have to work. He's going to have to work with, again, most likely, not it's not certain, but most likely a, a Republican Senate. We must all work together with him and his administration to now get these things done. It's great to say them. It's great to put out a platform. It's great to put out a mission statement. It's great to put out a plan. It's great to have a strategy. But at the end of the day, you have to accomplish. And and I, I think that we I think we will get there. I think people have to have patience. If we do, uh, I think we are we are infinitely better off than we were just two weeks ago. And as you just laid out, Mariel, there's a lot of work ahead. And I know you'll be leading the labor movement in New York State to ensure that the voices of working people are front and center as we welcome the new team of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to lead our country forward. Mariel Salento, president of the New York State AFL-CIO, thank you. Thank you, Darcy. Joining me now on the line is our digital director and the editor of the program, Kevin Eitzman. Hi, Kevin. How you doing? Good. Good, good. Now that this election is over and we are victorious, (laughs) much better, much better. So Mario was talking about um, some of the numbers and what we did here in New York State, making calls and text messages to Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, throughout the number of 30,000. You know, you were a key part of that, which people probably don't realize, along with um, our... uh, Chief of Staff and Political Director Ryan Delgado, and also um, Amy Desjardins, um, working closely with the two of them. Um, can you talk a little bit about those efforts and, and how willing and anxious people were to um, turn out this vote this way? Absolutely. I mean, we had volunteers from uh, Buffalo to Long Island that wanted to, you know, not only work on their local races, but but really wanted to. Uh, participate in the national campaign. So we worked with the Pennsylvania AFL-CIO and Michigan AFL to make those calls. And uh, the other nice thing was we had, you know, CSEA members and NYSEN members and nurses, mm-hmm. and uh, we had uh, uh, IBW construction. Um, we had really the range of unions, not only participating with their own affiliate union, their own international, but but working with us to make those calls to all you know different union members. So it was a, a great experience. Uh, I think everybody I was texting with some of the volunteers the day after, um, well, a couple of days after when Michigan and Pennsylvania were coming in and said, you know, you did this. Mm-hmm. Right. And they they were they were very ecstatic and it was uh, uh, good to be able to participate. And half of them wanted to know how can we uh, hop on the Georgia calls for the Senate campaign. So oh, good. <laughs> That's excellent. We 
it's good to have uh, the volunteers and, and realize that, you know, not only does your voice make it voice make a difference when you vote, but your volunteerism makes a big difference when these races come down to 10,000 votes, 20,000 votes. You know, your your 100 calls, 200 calls really can turn a, an election around. Well, I know it's been a very busy couple of weeks, couple of months. So um, you got some well-deserved downtime, I hope. Uh you know, to be able to kind of regroup here. Uh, so very good. Nice work. I, we all appreciate it very much, Kevin. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. When the, the race was called by NBC News and other outlets, you couldn't hear what was happening on Black Lives Matter Plaza on the, the park just outside of the White House where I am. You can sure hear it now. We have been hearing more honking, Thanks for listening to the Union Strong podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.